hello again, church family. My name is Russ Adams, and it was my privilege to bring one of the lessons in Romans to you recently. And I hope you found our study in Romans uh, to be as rich and beneficial as I did. You know, every time we read or study or meditate on God's Word, we're going to come away changed in some way. It's part of the process of transformation by the renewing of our minds that we learned about in Romans 12.2. So this quarter, we are, of course, in the books of Proverbs and Song of Songs. And these are part of the portion of the Old Testament known as the books of poetry and wisdom. They are written in a very much different style than we are typically used to studying. And for example, Jack Gatewood pointed out in last week's introductory lesson that all the history we're going to find in Proverbs uh, we already have, and it's in the, uh, the very first verse of the book. So we know from 1 Kings that the new King Solomon humbly asked God for wisdom to rule well, and that God honored that request by granting him more wisdom than anyone had ever had or ever will. 1 Kings tells us that he is credited with speaking 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 praise songs, and we're going to find about 800 of those proverbs in this book. Proverbs is a book of Hebrew poetry, and Hebrew poetry is characterized by structure and contrast and repetition. In fact, the Hebrew word we translate as proverb actually means to make a comparison or a contrast. This is going to be a strong feature in every passage we will study. As Jack pointed out last week, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are not filled with the short, pithy sayings we tend to think of uh, when we think of the book, uh, but instead are composed of lengthy discourses, uh, almost all of which recommend wisdom and then, in contrast, warn against folly. Perhaps the most important statement in the entire book is found in verse 7 of chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Proverbs is intended to equip us to live skillfully and well. As those who are in Christ, our lives should be distinctive and not conform to the lost world around us. In Proverbs, we're going to find more than just good advice. We're going to find the very mind of God, and we will be helped to discern His will. As with all Scripture, this isn't about learning things, but growing in our personal relationship with God. So if we keep Proverbs 1-7 in mind as we study, we will do just that. So let's begin our study of today's passage with a word of prayer. Father God, we praise you for your excellence and for your holiness and for your grace and mercy and love. Father, wisdom seems to be in such short supply in these days, and all too often that applies to each of us. So like Solomon, we humbly ask you to use our study time today to increase our wisdom. We know that you grant wisdom liberally to all who ask without fussing at us for needing to ask. Thank you for being the awesome God that you are, and help us to pay attention as the Holy Spirit guides us to your truth as we study together today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. The lesson text today is going to uh, be uh, Proverbs chapter 2 and the first 12 verses of chapter 3. So let's open up to Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Well, this discourse begins a lot like the previous one in chapter 1. A son is being instructed by his father or by both of his parents, and they are preparing him to go forth into a world filled with temptations and perils. Look at the action verbs in verses 1 through 4. The young man is encouraged to receive, treasure, be attentive, incline his heart, cry out for, lift his voice for, seek, and search for. These are strong and continuous actions. What are the objects of these verbs? His father's sayings his commandments, wisdom, understanding, discernment, and they are all likened to precious treasure. So what will he discover if he values wisdom and seeks it in this way? I'm going to pick up verse 5 again, read uh, verses 5 through 10. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul." So look how this passage doubles back to chapter 1. We're told that the young man will discern the fear of the Lord. That's chapter 1, verse 7. And with that foundation, he will discover the knowledge of God. Verse 6 states another important truth regarding wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The only real source of wisdom and knowledge and understanding is the Lord. No one can truly enjoy them apart from Him. In verses 7 and 8, we see how God generously responds to those who seek His wisdom. It says He stored it up for them. And in verses 9 and 10, we see the results. Look in verse 9. There's the ability to discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. This echoes chapter 1, verse 3, where Solomon stated his objectives for the book. So, by the way, look at the symmetry here. A symmetrical structure like that is part of the Hebrew poetry. 
So in verse 10, we're told that wisdom will penetrate the heart and the knowledge of God will be pleasant to the soul. So the young man, if he is equipped with wisdom and understanding from the Lord, he's now ready to appropriately deal with the temptations that will present themselves in his life. So I'm going to read uh, verses 11 through 20, a fairly long passage, and then we'll come back and, and look at a few parts of that. So chapter 2, 11 through 20. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again nor do they reach the paths of life, so that you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. Well, let's look at the two bookend verses first. I'm going to read them together so you get the, uh, the sense of what is being promised to the young man. It says, Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you, to deliver you from the way of evil, so that you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. Now, in between those two bookend verses, uh, the young man is given two examples of the evil that are out there waiting for him. Uh, and they're described as the schemes of an evil man and the seduction of an evil woman. But because he is wise and has discernment, he knows what the outcome of each of those temptations will be, and therefore he can turn away from them. So chapter 2 ends with a short proverb uh, contrasting the righteous and the wicked. Uh, Proverbs 2, 21 and 22. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. So that's just a restatement of the covenant that they were operating under at the time. And it's just a promise of the appropriate outcome of both righteousness and wickedness. Now the remaining portion of our passage today is the first 12 verses of chapter 3. We're going to find four brief encouragements here that are mainly concerned with our relationship with God. And that, after all, is the foundation of wisdom. So let's start with the first four verses of, of Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So seeking wisdom is not a one-and-done thing. 
we are to actively remember, obey, maintain, internalize, and treasure the wisdom we receive. Uh, the result in verse 2 is peace. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing in a world that is so filled with turmoil and strife? And in verse 4, other benefits are described. Favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Now, if that sounds familiar, this is the description of our Lord Jesus as he was growing up, found in Luke 2.52. The next passage is one of the most treasured and memorized in Scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Words are important. And we need to look carefully at the words that we find in these, in these verses. We have the ideas of trust and lean on, and they're closely related. Now, in both cases, we are not just being assisted or propped up, but we're actually putting our whole weight on the object. I once had the opportunity to walk on a glass-floored observation deck now, it was one thing to know that the glass was strong enough, but it was quite another to actually step out onto it. And likewise, acknowledge is more than just tipping the hat. This is referring to our relationship that we have with God, and that is how we seek His wisdom. That's how we obey His direction. That's how we learn to trust His will. The result will be a life that is successful and pleasing in God's sight. Now, I included verses 7 and 8 with 5 and 6 because they're so closely related. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is very easy to recite, but it's very hard to do. Now, why is that? I think it's because all too often we tend to trust our own judgment. I know that I do. And when we are wise in our own eyes, we're going to eventually discover that our own wisdom is insufficient. So what's the antidote? Once again, we are reminded that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And when we are in a right relationship with Him, we turn away from evil. And that's good for us, body and soul. Let's read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 for the next encouragement we have. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So we've been looking at trust. Here's a test of trust. Do we really trust the Lord completely if when it comes to our finances, we would rather lean on our own understanding? Honoring the Lord out of our material wealth means that we trust Him to provide. It means that He is our security, not our material accumulation. Now, verse 10 gives us the opportunity to exercise some discernment. 
This verse is one that is sometimes used by teachers of the so-called prosperity gospel as an ironclad promise. Give to God and God will make you rich right now. But this verse should actually be treated by Christians as a proverb, as a statement of something that is generally true or tends to be true over time or may have its fulfillment in eternity or spiritually. Now we know that our Lord is trustworthy and that he loves us and he will provide for us. So here's a way of looking at this. I wonder how many billionaires would happily exchange their bank accounts for the peaceful sleep and good reputation with God and men that results from wise living, firmly secured in the fear of the Lord. Let's conclude with verses 11 and 12. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Well, back in Romans chapter 8, in verses 14 through 17, we learn that as Christians, we have actually been adopted by God as his own children. Now, if we are truly seeking wisdom from our Heavenly Father, there are going to be times when that will include some loving discipline. He loves us too much to let us continue in sin. He loves us too much not to allow challenges into our life that we will grow in the experience of. Now, this may not be something that we enjoy in the moment, and that's fine, but we are cautioned by Solomon not to loathe it, not to hate it and reject it completely. After all, our loving Father's intent is to impart wisdom, and that is what we have asked him for. Well, thank you for staying with me today. Next week's lesson will be taken from the remainder of chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. So uh, please read ahead and allow time as you do so uh, to encounter our Heavenly Father personally as you take that time to reflect on His Word. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time in Proverbs. Please help it to be more than information, but use it to transform us, to grant us true wisdom, to make us more like your Son and our Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified. We give you all the praise, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again, and have a blessed week.